0: The GameCube is Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube is Cool to find our $1 and $5 a month tiers. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $5 level. Ira Bell, Dean Donian, Jed Winters, Joey Sirico, Resident Evil Collector on Instagram, Tristan Pantorato, Wilshire, Link, Marty Thompson, Double Ugly, Bendito Benito, AJ Olson Eleven, Pixel.Wav, Austin Reynolds, Pedro Marquez, and CubeDude22. The GameCube GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. My biggest theory from the Obi-Wan show, though, Mike, is that uh, by the end of it, Obi-Wan will have the bullet from Episode 2.
1: Ooh, that's, that's all we've wanted. And maybe Jar Jar Binks comes back. But,
0: Neil, we are live! Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. And we just got done talking about Episode 1 and 2 of the Obi-Wan series, so uh listeners if you don't already support us on patreon everyone over there who supports us gets to go listen to our review of episode one and two we will revisit that in a couple of weeks once the series is all done give our final thoughts on it because spoilers it's probably the greatest thing star wars has ever done and ever will do in in our lifetime
1: honestly probably but neil (laughs) i want to talk to you about something uh i was watching seinfeld as i often do and there is the parking space episode where uh George is backing his car into a space and uh, Kramer's friend Mike is pulling his car into the space going front forwards. And there's a big, you know, kind of uh, uh, argument about it. Everything people are saying, you know, if you're backing in, that's your spot. You can't try and take it if you're going forwards in. And I mean... I, I Every time I watch that, I can't believe that there's people out there who might think that it's okay to go forwards in in a parallel park space.
0: I agree 100%. I'm so glad that we're on the same page with that. <laughs> I, I remember that's one of those episodes that as a kid I didn't understand. Sure. And now I do completely. Um, what's weird is that I've been waiting to go into a space forward, like in a parking lot at, I believe I, I'm not going to say the name of the store, but I was at a store recently waiting to go in and someone came in from the other side, like the other angle, basically right oh at me God. and turned into my space. Like like I was going in forward and they beat me in forward. Wow. Yeah. That had never happened to me before. Now, anybody backing into a space deserves at least 20 yards on either side from everybody because they're about to back in. If you live in Toronto, parallel parking anywhere in Toronto is a complete disaster and a nightmare at the same time. So they deserve as much space as humanly possible. In the 90s New York, maybe things were a little bit different. But yes, if you see anybody backing into a space, they've earned that space just by attempting it.
1: Yeah, honestly. Yeah. It's it's the backing in. If you are backing in that's your space. So, no, I just um, – I, I really hope there's no one out there who thought – or who took the side of Mike, I guess, in that episode because, yeah, I was just like, no, George is right. Even Newman is on George's side.
0: Yeah. Yeah, George was backing in. That's how the episode went. And Jerry just wants to watch the boxing match, of course. Yeah.
1: It's it's a simple it's a simple episode, Neil, but uh, I do love it so much.
0: I do too. I'm all about simple episodes. That's basically what this podcast is. <laughs> That's right. But we do have supporters of this podcast, Mike, and if you want to support the show, you can go to Patreon, and everyone at the $5 level gets the option to submit an opening topic for the episode, just like Pixel.Wav did today, Mike. PixelWav wants to know, Nintendo is known for having strange-slash-novel design gimmicks and quirks with their consoles. The GameCube's handle, the Wii's motion controls, the 3D from the 3DS, etc. If you could combine any three gimmicks-slash-quirks from Nintendo's consoles to create the ultimate oddity of a console, (laughs) which three would you pick? But so, Mike, we have uh, we have our dream Nintendo console here, but we have to construct it from oddities and gimmicks from uh, from past consoles. Mm. So I'll let you go first. What three what what three gimmick slash quirks are you going to go with?
1: Well, Neil, I'm going to create my mythical creature. I'm going to keep with the three. I think three is a solid number here because I could make a st- stupidly weird uh, <laughs> uh, thing out of all these different yeah weird uh, Nintendo console quirks and you know, peripherals and things like that. So I'm going to take the Virtual Boy headset. Which is always oh one of my favorite things to to go back to, uh, the Wii U gamepad because you know the idea is there, but uh, didn't, okay. didn't work that well. Mixed with the Game Boy uh, Advance player.
0: Okay, so. what 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 experience am I? I don't know what I'm what I'm thinking here. So are you are you have the headset on? Hmm. Is how you're seeing the game. And yep. you're controlling with the gamepad. Do you like the gamepad's controls? No, I don't. Like the... <laughs> no. Okay, good. I'm no, so, glad that we're on the same page So, there. so
1: what the Virtual Boy headset's going to be, actually, It's this is going to be yeah. kind of an AR thing. And so you mm. can see the augmented reality coming off of the Wii U gamepad. Love but it. the Wii U gamepad is then connected to the Game Boy Player. So basically, Neil, all I want to do <laughs> is I want to play Pokemon Red with a virtual <laughs> Virtual Boy headset with a Wii U gamepad.
0: I love AR <laughs> in, in just tech and video games in general. Like, I feel like we're way behind we on are. AR tech. Yeah. Am, I, am I wrong about that? Like, I, th- I think that the whole dive into VR is just misleading.
1: I think so, too. Yeah. So that's why that's what my mythical Nintendo creature will be. Uh, takes a lot. Okay.
0: <laughs> Love that. And now I had to look into this because, like, the word gimmick always gets me. Because it's like, for me, a gimmick is like a cheap kind of throwaway thing that someone does, like, to attract business. And that's essentially what the definition of gimmick is it's a trick or device intended to attract attention, publicity, or business. So Nintendo is kind of like the benchmark for gimmicks in video sure. games. Is the handle on the GameCube a gimmick? Yes. Yeah. It's a gimmick. Yeah. It? It?
1: Yeah. Because did it... they did. No. So was anybody between
0: the <laughs> PS2 and the GameCube, and was like, "Oh, a handle? Well, I gotta."
1: Well, because the gimmick, the idea of it is to attract attention, doesn't mean that's going to work, right? It doesn't mean that it's 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 successful in its attention grabbing. But it, it is a I weird to imagine the, thing. F-
0: I have to imagine fifty percent of the people in that uh, in that like boardroom were just like, "Can we just get rid of this?" And like the other half is like, "No, no, we stand for this this handle." <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, no one used it. It's just dumb. Anyway. For me, I'm gonna to have to go with the ultimate controller slash, I guess, UX experience for a Nintendo console. So I'm gonna take two, uh, two, two, two different things here, and that's the mm. keyboard from the Fantasy Star GameCube controller. Solid. I want that back, and I'm gonna combine it with the mouse, which uh, which we had on the SNES, the um, the mouse to to play uh, Mario Paint. Yeah. I think that there were a f- I think that there were a few other a uh, few other things in there. I just want to be able to play mouse and keyboard on my Nintendo console. Like that way we can get some more PC ports in there. Really, it's just a, a whole way so we can play uh, Rollercoaster Tycoon on Switch. Is where I'm going with that. Okay, I like that. Yeah,
1: we need we need a mouse yeah. and keyboard uh, for Nintendo consoles. I agree.
0: We definitely do. I think that the mouse and keyboard was really cool. Never did it at the same time, which I think is weird. Mm. Uh, There might have been a keyboard on the SNES at some point, maybe the Super Famicom in Japan, but I've never seen one personally. Uh, Send us a DM if you've seen one in in the wild. And I have to also add the uh, touchscreen from the DS slash Wii U generation because I think touchscreens are just the ultimate way to interact with a device. Uh, I love the touchscreen on the DS, the 3DS, the Wii U. I also just like having that second touchable screen uh, for map games yeah, specifically. I, like, agree. I play. I love to play Metroid games. And to have, a, to have the map open on the screen at all times is a game changer. It, it was one of my main gripes with playing Metroid Dread was I was constantly bringing the map out again. Because uh, every time I enter a new room, I'm always opening the map because I need to know where the heck I am. So to have that double screen, touchable screen, I like to have the map right in front of me. Uh, and then the final thing I need to add to my my hybrid console here or whatever it is this gimmick console is I need to have the ability to uh, take my games with me on the go. The hybrid ability of the Switch is just the ultimate gimmick. I think it's Nintendo's greatest gimmick that they've ever done, and I have to take it with me to my dream console.
1: Okay, I like that. You're you're that's a beautiful mythical creature, Neil. I especially, of Thank course, you. like the the mouse and keyboard and the uh, the, the, uh, the the keyboard for the GameCube is is one of my favorite things ever made for Fantasy Star Online.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's one of the coolest things ever. I was trying to find a way to fit the Resident Evil chainsaw. I controller was thinking in that. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's not like a Nintendo thing. That was more of a Capcom thing. That's so, fair, yeah. uh, Pixel.wav, as a bonus, I want the console to look like a chainsaw. <laughs> Is that okay?
1: Perfect. That's your mythical <laughs> creature. It's a mythical chainsaw keyboard, mouse, gamepad portable that player. i could
0: take with me because you know nothing's ever fishy about a guy walking around toronto with a chainsaw on the go train
1: <laughs> oh my god well thank you very much pixel for writing in we always appreciate any patrons who write into us and give us some great topics but neil i think it's time to move on to the main
0: episode today this episode of the gamecube is cool podcast is sponsored by manscape.com Ladies and gentlemen, Father's Day is just around the corner and our friends at Manscaped are here to ensure all the father figures out there are looking daddy material this June. Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0, which includes their signature lawnmower 4.0, is the perfect bundle to tackle any and all old man hair from head to toe. This here is no dad joke. Treat him and yourself and join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code GameCube at Manscaped.com. Trust me. His dad bod will thank you. I personally don't have any idea if the Performance Package 4.0 is the perfect Father's Day gift for my dad, but I know that when I am on the other side of Father's Day celebrations, I can sleep well knowing that the fine folks at Manscaped.com have me and my balls covered. Manscaped is designed with fathers in mind, and the Performance 4.0 is here just in time for your pop's special day. Inside this package, he'll find their lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer, Weed Whacker, Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Revival, toner, and a travel bag to hold his goodies. But wait, there's more. Manscaped just launched their brand new Boxers 2.0 that are, I dare say, the best boxers ever? We all know dads love their comfort. With summer just around the corner, the Boxers 2.0 are here to save every father from the uncomfortable heat. These new boxers are packed with evolutionary features, including the jewel pouch, designed to cradle his boys in their own special place. This right here is a game changer. Whether he's mowing the lawn, taking out the trash, or golfing in the sun, these moisture-wicking boxers breathe without breaking a sweat. Dads, buy this for yourself. Sons, buy this for your dad. Ladies, buy this for your man. And dog daddies, you deserve this too. And ladies too. I think these boxers are pretty comfortable for anyone get 20% off plus free shipping with the code gamecube at manscaped.com that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code g-a-m-e-c-u-b-e shake what your mama gave you nah shake what your daddy gave you and now back to the podcast main episode today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 99 of the GameCube is Cool podcast, new episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. We're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games, one by one, sometimes 12 by 12. So far, we have covered 443 games. You can visit thegamecubiscool.com to check out all the things we've been working on. The website was developed by our very own Mike Lane.
1: And Scrooge McDuck.
0: And Scrooge McDuck, oh yeah, he had great bandwidth from his uh, his little tower there of coins, right? (laughs) Yeah, he funded it. (laughs) He funded it. Last week, we talked about Rayman, iNinja, and a few other platformers on the console. If you haven't already, go back and check it out. This week, we're talking about a bunch of classic Disney games on the GameCube. Not the games based on the Pixar or the Disney princess movies that we know and love from our childhood. We're talking about the ones based on the standard OG Disney characters, the Mickeys, the Minis, the Goofies, the Donalds, and the Plutos. Uh, and all their friends that people have heavy nostalgia for, but didn't necessarily get the greatest 6th generation outing on consoles, Mike.
1: No, it didn't, and it's too bad because Disney had a very, very extensive uh, great history with video games. I mean, we had a mm-hmm. lot of Disney games on the SNES. They were mostly kind of movie-tying movie, movie games that were really fun 2D platformers uh, that actually ended up famously getting ripped and cloned. Uh, <laughs> and we got some stuff like Aladdin and Lion King, Beauty and the Beast 2, and then, of course, we had Kingdom Hearts, which comes out in this era, uh, which is uh, a really, really interesting game and the history of Kingdom Hearts. We're not going to talk about the history here, because it never came out on the GameCube, but uh, but please, there's tons of, of videos out there that talk about uh, Kingdom Hearts and how it became to be with SquareSoft uh, working with uh, with Disney, of course, for this one. But yeah, came coming out in 2002, changed the landscape completely, uh, and it made sense in the context of Disney because. Uh, I don't know if you remember Neil, but in Kingdom Hearts, we do see the original Disney characters for the most part. It is Mickey, it's it's Donald, and it's Goofy, and we we kept getting this pushed with the uh, with the Disney games that we see here today on the GameCube.
0: Yeah, I think Kingdom Hearts is probably the ultimate example of a Disney game, but it's done ridiculously well, where it's developed a fan ga- a fan base kind of separate from the Final Fantasy and Disney fans, or at least it's taken fans from both uh, fan bases, I suppose, and made somewhat of a weird marriage that for some reason works. I honestly will never claim to understand Kingdom Hearts or <laughs> yeah, why fair. it works or how it even got made is one of the biggest oh, like, well, things that I want to know about, Mike. But it sounds like you have uh, some uh, some information for me, so please share.
1: Yes, so I, I did research this because I was really curious myself. And so the initial idea for Kingdom Hearts came from a discussion about Super Mario 64. Uh, Square wanted to kind of make a 64 game. But they realized that it it would never actually work without characters that already have popularity. So they basically said only Disney characters could outshine Mario's popularity in the 90s, which is true. Mm -hmm. And a chance meeting between uh, Square publishers and devs and a Disney executive in an elevator. uh, Square and Disney actually worked in the same building in Japan. And uh, Mm -hmm. this allowed them to pitch an idea directly to Disney. And they said yes. And part of the deal which I thought was interesting, was that the main character would have to be an original character and not owned or based on a Disney property.
0: Okay. Square Enix are great at creating... Just any anime character, done. Sora, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Sora, exactly. Give him a Keyblade, I suppose. That's that's crazy. That's really cool. Like yeah. uh, stuff like that is really neat. And I still think that there's something else there like like uh, Square Enix had to have I don't know what kind of money went through or anything. But the, just the fact that those characters are still trotted out today. Like there's constantly uh Kingdom Hearts games coming out, remakes, remasters. Like there's there never seems to be any pushback from Disney. Like Disney seems to really appreciate the uh the support that that their characters get in those games like we're going to start to see star wars and marvel uh i think marvel's already in there i never i didn't play the most recent kingdom hearts game so i'm not sure what the heck is in there but i remember when like nightmare before christmas is included in there now too and pirates of the the caribbean pirates of the caribbean completely yeah like it's just an amazing uh, marriage of of games and that's that's of course square enix and when you think about disney games a lot of people tend to go back to the capcom era of disney too back in the 80s and 90s with the nes outing First one being Ducktales, which is some people's favorite NES game of all time. Yeah, some people's yeah, fam- favorite, yeah, favorite '80s game of all time. And the most latest one that Capcom put out was the Saturday Afternoon Collection, which uh, which included a, a bunch of the uh, the movie tie in games from from back in the day too. And that's something that Disney has always done mm-hmm. is that they've always kind of shelled out their IP to uh, to other other developers and other publishers like like we've had capcom konami square enix as well as thq and more recently ea games with star wars and insomniac with spider-man uh, so that's kind of what they've always done. They did try to sort of create and acquire their own studios, but for some reason, Disney and developing video games never really worked. In the span of ten years, they acquired nine studios, all of which were shut down. Uh, plus, Disney Interactive Studios, which I remember specifically from our childhood, because that's when a lot of that's where a lot of the um, the PC Disney games came from. Mm-hmm. I remember that Disney Interactive Studios logo before yeah, my same. sister playing playing the uh, like Winnie the Pooh games or whatever it was. Um, but even like that, they've, they've, uh, they had Avalanche software, uh, that was sold off to WB. There's BlackRock Studios, Creature, Fall Line Studios, Junction Point Studios, Propaganda Games, wide Load Games, Rocket Pack, and GameStar. Uh, Avalanche probably being the biggest of, the, of that bunch, being most well-known for making Disney Infinity. Uh, they're now, like I said, they were sold off to WB, Warner Brothers, and they are producing the Hogwarts Legacy game, which we're eagerly anticipating. Mm-hmm. So, Disney have tried to produce their own games over the years, but in the end, it seems like what works best for them is to just give the IP to a studio that knows what they're doing and then they collect the, uh, the dividends from that.
1: It's true. It's true. And, you know, Disney has gone a long way. It's, it's come a long way, obviously. It's a very different company than it was uh, oh, when yeah. we were growing up uh, than it is now and, of course, even before that. And so Disney actually is celebrating 99 years in October, Neil, and that's why we decided to do episode 99 hey. dedicated to Disney.
0: Love it. I was wondering why this was going to be episode ninety nine, but uh, that makes that makes a ton of sense. They've <laughs> grown quite a bit since their humble beginnings ninety nine years ago. Mike, their their company's valued at two hundred and three billion U S dollars, and they employ close to two hundred thousand people around the world. So uh, I think they're going to be okay.
1: They're going to be okay. And but <laughs> but Neil, you know, I think we kind of forget that in the early two thousands disney was not doing good disney was actually getting a little close to bankruptcy uh they had a lot of assets and, um but they weren't uh, valued very high and they had a lot of debt too and it's something that people forget now because we think of disney as this huge behemoth but um you know disney yeah in the early 2000s just like they were in kind of the 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 70s and early 80s they weren't doing too well i, I wanted to quickly go through a couple eras here neil Of Disney, of course, 1923 is when they got founded, Steamboat Mickey, all that good stuff, Uh, 1934 to... 49 is officially considered the golden age of Disney uh, in their, I guess that's in their archives or I don't know, Someone has con- officially <laughs> considered this the golden age. We get Pinocchio, Fantasia, Dumbo, Bambi, Snow White. You know, this is kind of the, the, the original Disney uh, 50 to 66 uh, the expansion. Silver ages is called Cinderella, Alice in Wonderland, uh, Sleeping Beauty, Jungle Book. We kind of get the bronze age and uh, I call it the decline Mm. Uh, age uh, from 67 to 86, uh, where we don't get a lot of great, uh, we don't get a lot of commercially successfully uh, successful films, but we get a lot of kind of artistic films. That's where Don Bluth, mm-hmm. the famous animator, worked uh, with Disney for things like Black Cauldron, Fox and the Hound, uh, yeah. uh, uh, Rescuers. And then we get the, the Renaissance. Aristocats, yeah. yeah. I Great love the Aristocats.
0: <laughs> yeah, I had to give a shout out to that one.
1: Thank you. Uh, and then the Renaissance comes in, in 87, which I always was told it was with Little Mermaid, but technically it was actually Who Framed Roger Rabbit that kicked mm-hmm. everything off. Uh, yeah. And we talked about that on one of the episodes because I love that movie. Uh, Little Mermaid comes right after that and really cements the Renaissance with uh, Beauty and the Beast as well. Aladdin, Lion King, and then they... Uh, acquire and work with toy uh, with pixar with uh, toy story mm-hmm. and then disney goes back into their financial troubles from 97 to 2005 and we do have you know mulan that comes out which is a disney movie we have tarzan emperor's new groove and then uh, bug's life monsters inc uh and finding nemo which are all pixar movies Uh, Mm Out Low Stitch, of course, is the other Disney movie, but um, yeah, they, that's kind of where we end off because that's where we enter these games in a, in the middle of a financially troubled, unsuccessful time for Disney.
0: It's so weird that that was their financially troubling time. Like with, like, this is probably like my favorite era from like 87 to 2003, 2004, because maybe it's just because I was a child then, but like, we're talking about, you know, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, uh, Tarzan, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, like these are hugely nostalgic films for kids, you know, millennials like you and I, but do you have a favorite era of Disney, Mike, that you like to, that you kind of, I guess, go to if anybody asks you, your favorite era of Disney when it comes up in a job interview?
1: I think it's the Renaissance for sure. (laughs) Yeah, when it comes to a job interview. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, the Renaissance (laughs) is my favorite too from 87 to 97. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, who framed Roger yeah. Rabbit. Yeah. Like, like I said, and Lion King is my favorite Disney movie, I think. So uh, okay. those are all fantastic and they're all 2D animated too, which is my favorite yep. style of Disney. And there's, you know, it's, they haven't bought Pixar at this point. So Toy Story technically doesn't count as a Disney property, um, mm-hmm. at this point either. So yeah, this is just like pure Disney. I think this is just like embodying everything that like fifties and, and early Disney had, and just making these amazing, amazing movies, uh, beautifully mm-hmm. done, great, rich narratives. Uh, and I think that I really miss that with Disney. We did get like, you know, the 97, 2005 era, the financial troubles like that. We get some good movies, but I just don't think mm-hmm. that they're, they're um, you know, Disney at the core. You know what I mean?
0: No, yeah, they're weird. They're, they're kind of like the same outlier as the Bronze Age, which I love the Bronze Age, even though those movies are tonally and literally pretty dark films, like the Fox and the Hound and the Aristocats and the Rescuers. Like, they're all, they're not like fun movies to watch, no, really, no. but they are beloved for me because I grew up with those ones just the same. Uh, and then we, we have to talk a little bit about just Disney since the 2000s to present, because that's really where, like, the the most interesting time to to be like a Disney fan has ever been because we saw pirates of the Caribbean, like a pretty big live action franchise come out and then tangled. One of my favorite Disney movies came out, which led to frozen as well as wreck it. Ralph that that's why like when Pixar and Disney, I can't tell them apart anymore started to happen yeah, uh, yeah, because Disney got away with the 2d animated art style after princess and the frog. That was kind of like their last uh, hurrah in that uh, art style, which, God, I I hope they go back to that at some point. Uh, But since then, kind of like our, basically that was our high school days. Uh, Disney, for me at least, and for a lot of other people out there, has just been Marvel and Star Wars.
1: Yeah, uh, Disney decided to just buy everything instead and do (laughs) things that way. And now they bought Fox, of course, too. So that brings Fox animation, everything they had done before, that brings it under their umbrella. They bought the Muppets, you know, Jim Henson studio. Uh, And so, yeah, Disney basically has a stranglehold on the animation industry and just really entertainment in general for some In some aspects, but uh, yeah, there are there is a lot to talk about for Disney as just a company. That was a very quick overview. Uh, I'm sure one day on this podcast we will talk about Disney even more in depth. But for now, Neil, let's get into the GameCube games of the financially troubled Disney era of the early 2000s.
0: All right, let's do it. Let's start with Donald Duck Going Quackers, which was released on March 25th, 2002. It's also known as Donald Duck Quack Attack in Europe or (laughs) Donald Duck Advance on the Game Boy Advance. Developed by Ubisoft Montreal, published by Ubisoft. It's also on Game Boy Color, PlayStation, Windows, N64, Dreamcast, PlayStation 2, and the Game Boy Advance. Rates a 6 out of 10. Priced today at around $60, but if you want to pick up the N64 and the Dreamcast version, those go for three dollars to $400. This is a platform, and it's also technically a Dreamcast slash N64 port, and it's one of the very few N64 ports on the GameCube, Mike.
1: Yeah, we have almost none, Uh, you know, other than you can kind of count, I guess, Animal Crossing as a 64DD port, uh, but that doesn't Mm. count for North America, of course. So, yeah, it's it's one of the only North American games that got ported from the N64 to the GameCube, just because most games at that time weren't, you know, that came out in late 2000s were going to be on the GameCube, you know, or just Mm kind of delay your release for that or didn't come out at all.
0: Nintendo has always been almost too good at killing their own hardware (laughs) and (laughs) killing their own consoles almost to a fault. Like we talk about the Game Boy Advance being cut off way too early. They were really good at uh, closing off the Wii U back in 2017. Oh, yeah. Shut down. Oh, man. Shut that light out right when the Switch came out. But uh, we were talking about this on our Discord channel a couple of days ago. And, like, it's so weird to think of Nintendo in this generation and now even – compared to Sony with PlayStation where PS4 games are still coming out and still being announced and not just like third party sports games but AAA Sony developed games are still coming out on the PlayStation 4 almost 2 full years into the PlayStation 5's lifespan like this is almost like if in 2009 on the Wii uh Skyward Sword was going to be coming out also on GameCube like it just didn't happen and it's yeah. just such a it's such a different reality to to have been a part of
1: It is. It is. But yeah, I just did. I did want to mention that the fact that this was an N64 for I just Mm -hmm. thought that was so strange. And it is actually better to play on the 64. Apparently, that is Mm. seems to be the the consensus. One of the reasons why it's also so expensive, too, is that this seems to be the the better, uh, the better version of the game. Uh, And funny enough, Neil, to go back to last week's episode, this was developed on the Rayman 2 engine.
0: Oh, cool. That's awesome. I'm glad that they put that engine to use because the Rayman games, as we talked about last week, were really good.
1: They were. And of course, this is a Ubisoft game. So Ubisoft using Rayman to their advantage. And I mean, it definitely feels like a kind of Rayman 3D platformer style for sure. You can tell that uh, that Disney gave them the keys and Ubisoft's like, (laughs) so make a Rayman game. And uh, they're like, yep. Let's do that. It's
0: basically what they did with the uh the irritating Donald Duck who made his first appearance in The Adventures of Mickey Mouse in 1931, so he's about about ready to celebrate his 91st birthday, I suppose. He's appeared in over 40 licensed video games, Mike, and I got to ask you, do you prefer Daffy Duck or Donald Duck?
1: Daffy, of course. Daffy's Good. so much cooler. Daffy's yeah. a
0: badass. I love Daffy Duck. Yeah. Daffy,
1: or at least Donald Duck. You know he's a good uncle. You know he's got he's got sure.
0: Huey, Dewey, Louie. He?
1: Uh, <laughs> he, he does his best. You know I think uh, <laughs> like, I don't know what happened. Like, does his sister die or something? Right. And,
0: and like... The extended Disney family is so just it's so weird
1: max goof is my favorite <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yes no daffy duck is the correct answer i can't not unsee like the two characters uh, especially when you see them side by side in who framed roger rabbit playing the piano one of the greatest moments in all of cinematic history Um, but this game specifically, as we've said, was on several different consoles and released in several different regions under different titles. Yeah. This game had 17 release dates all in all between consoles and regions. It was released in North America, Japan, and Europe. So must've been really difficult to know when this game even came out. If you worked in a video game store or were waiting for the game to come out.
1: And they're all very different versions, too. Like they, yeah. you know, uh, depending on where you play that uh, played this game, you could be playing a quite a different version of it because they were all done by different developers. Oh, Ubisoft, of course, but Ubisoft Montreal, Ubisoft Casablanca, Ubisoft yeah. Shanghai. Uh, and uh, it seems like the Ubisoft Casablanca was the best developer for this. They did the Dreamcast N64 and PC versions, which all have far higher uh, Metacritic scores.
0: And that was actually the first ever video game to be developed in Casablanca in Morocco, which is kind of a neat fact—the first mm. game to be developed on the African continent. So that that's that's pretty neat.
1: Thanks uh, for for Donald Duck going Crackers to be the first <laughs> the first game to, uh, to 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 be made in Casablanca. But yeah, this this game is is not bad. It's definitely got some Rayman vibes to it in terms of uh, of how the platform the mm-hmm. platform mechanics work. Uh, it just for me, I think uh, it's a little too kiddish of a game. I think I would give this to to, uh, to like to my kid or something and have them play it. Although I think there's probably better games in general uh, out there.
0: Probably uh, the best way that I've or the best way that I've heard this game uh, d- described is that it's basically slow down Crash Bandicoot, and that's pretty okay. much what, what pretty much what Rayman is too. Uh, <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: very, very similar gameplay in terms of combat, very similar camera angles, as well as like the music being Jungle Beats for the most part. So yep. it's very very Crash Bandicoot-esque. I, I want to start from the top here with the plot. What's going on here? So Donald is living with his two roommates. They're making three bowls of popcorn to watch the news. <laughs> so already I can tell that Donald Duck's life is completely meaningless. And <laughs> Daisy Duck is basically a reporter who snuck into some kind of scientist's home. I'm assuming he has a name. If you're, you're into the Disney lore, you probably know who he is. But uh, she snuck into like this basically mad scientist lab cave thing with a camera crew undetected and is then assaulted on camera as well as the rest of the as well as the rest of the crew I'm assuming you're supposed to assume because the the screen of course goes fuzzy after she gets captured and uh, automatically the only three people in the world who seem to care to go after daisy and her camera crew are donald duck and his uh, his two roommates
1: uh, yes you know the 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 classic two roommates is in as <laughs> is in the disney lore
0: yeah yeah and who is the chicken guy that donald's living with I don't remember this guy I remember like the other kind of duck character but there's like a chicken man who sort of acts as your um your narrator for the game as well. I have no idea who this guy is.
1: I I have no idea. I, okay. I, I I'm sorry. I, I don't I don't know the Disney lore as no. much as I should, or the Donald Duck lore. I just find it weird that there is two and we're gonna talk about the next one right after this, but there are two mm-hmm. Donald Duck games on the GameCube. I, I I is Donald Duck that big? Was he that big? Like that he deserved his own game rather than, you know, having him and Mickey and some others?
0: I think he was fun for kids. Like he had that kind sure. of wacky voice, very irritating voice as an adult. But, yeah, exactly. Like, I don't. I don't know. Like it was between him and do- uh, between him and oh, Goofy, really. Like Goofy is it. probably the more popular. He's like the Kramer of the Disney universe, yeah. I suppose.
1: <laughs> Come on, guys, let's go. But you could do a
0: lot with with Donald Duck. Like he's got his little nephews. He's got his kind of superhero. Uh, his superhero facade that he puts on as well. One of the levels that I, I like to uh, I like to I like to see here was the there's like this creepy hand level that you mm. run from, it, it's a very scary looking hand because the fingers kind of move independently like tentacles. I don't know what was going on there That's in weird. terms of the story, but the level so, itself Jesus. looked very interesting. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. The, I mean, it, it is interesting. Like it's it's this game isn't necessarily bad at all depending on what console version you play like especially the dreamcast and n64 versions it's it's a pretty solid platformer like mm-hmm. ubisoft again took the rayman 2 engine and ran with it and got to create pretty solid character models for donald and his uh and his friends and his his nephews of course but yeah it's uh it's I'd say a, a relatively average game and yeah. and nothing that really would have stood out to make you be like, Wow, this Donald Duck game is actually really cool. I wanna I wanna explore more of the Donald Duck world.
0: Yeah. No, not at all. And like even the boss fights are, are pretty uninspired. Like after last week we talked about iNinja and Scalar, where those boss fights were pretty pretty big and pretty fun mm-hmm. and uh and different. These ones are all very like slow and Just kind of understand like you basically just understand the pattern. uh, It's for kids. It's for kids. Yeah, you you understand the pattern that the bosses are going through. You hit them three times, and and that's it. And then you move on to the next one. So unfortunately, a bit of a simple uh, a simple campaign to go through, and not much replayability because there's no multiplayer unfortunately
1: yeah that was my big thing like this it, this because it's it's so geared towards like children this should have been a game yeah. where you could play like with your with your parents or something or with like someone else to help guide you through
0: yeah like have huey dewey and louie running around too like yeah. th- that can be like your kids playing and you're playing as donald and you can even make like a tactical rpg kind of thing where you're like telling them where to go like turn it into rogue <laughs> squadron with your with your three nephews that would be amazing
1: i would like that a lot
0: But, Mike, with that, let's hit the back of the case of Donald Duck going quackers, and we'll hit up Donald Duck's next game. Sounds good. All right, sounds good. But first, Victor, hit us with that sweet jingle. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. Donald Duck is on a quest. He has to save the kidnapped Daisy from the clutches of the evil magician Murloc. And, if this wasn't bad enough, he has to hurry. Donald Duck must reach Daisy before his cousin Gladstone Gander. Master Donald's quacky emotions and explosive temper in this hyperactive humorous adventure yeah that's right I love the fact that like Daisy gets like you know someone gets abducted and everyone instantly like like races to go catch the person separately
1: yeah because Mad Mad World basically like, yeah. just like everyone like rat race everyone's going for this
0: pressure
1: this uh, it's weird yeah
0: it'd be awesome if that's what happens when like an Amber Alert comes through on your phone like everyone just kind of shoves each other out of the way and starts a rat race to try and find
1: let's find this person yeah
2: <laughs> black yeah. Honda Civic
0: <laughs> anyway next game of the day is Disney's PK out of the shadows which was released on December 3rd 2002 developed and published yet again by Ubisoft it's also on PlayStation 2 rates a 5 out of 10 priced today at around $25 and this is another action adventure game and it stars yet again Donald Duck as Paper and Nick or PK as he battles to stop the Evron Empire from taking over Earth
1: Oh, okay, so I got I got some stuff to say. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so um, so this is PK out of the shadows in uh, North America, but if you're living in Europe, it's just called PK because PK is uh, a paper paperinik. Uh, I don't know how you actually pronounce it. Is a comic book, very successful comic book series that was based in Italy uh, for many years, and it's uh, specifically a Donald Duck comic. Uh, again, released only in Italy, and uh, very much like a Duck Dodgers kind of thing. If you, yeah. uh, if anyone out there remembers Duck Dodgers, uh, of course, a parody of Buck Rogers uh, TV show from the sixties, uh, but Duck cooler Dodgers. than PK again. But cooler than PK, yeah, Duck Dodgers, Daffy Duck as his alter ego in the 24th, one-half century, Uh, a fantastic theme song sung by Tom Jones. Yep. And um, yeah, that always I loved. But PK is actually a really, really cool comic book. I did a lot of research. I was kind of reading some of them, too. I was like, wow, this is pretty awesome. Uh, They first came out in 1969, and they've been on a long run. And Hmm. it was kind of a, I don't want to say darker, but like more adult uh, okay. version of Donald Duck and uh, very cool how they portrayed him too. Just really, really random. He was an anti-hero for, sh- uh, uh, for sure in there rather than a hero. Huh. So quite like, I almost like a Darkwing Duck as well, Okay, uh, which is another kind of uh, alias. But yeah, it's, it's very cool. I just don't understand no. why this was a thing, especially in North America. Somewhere that you really didn't see these comic books or, or hear about PK at all anywhere. And a uh, pretty significant risk by Disney to, to push it out here without much other, you know, supporting content. They kind of just threw this video game out here and said, hey, here, like, like, try this out. And it's, you know, it, it's very much comic book style, too, in terms of the, the game. Uh, we see a lot of uh, comic book kind of side by side, similar to Ultimate Spider-Man, although not done as well. And, of yeah. course, the, the art style is cel-shaded. Uh, just like Ultimate Spider-Man, it's very much that comic book style with the, the, the stark black outlines and the mm-hmm. cell shaded uh, figures. And so it was cool in that sense. And I, I did really like that. But uh, big missed opportunity, I think, for this one.
0: Well, that's actually what I liked about the game is that it starts off as the kind of, you know, 2000s 3D rendered computer generated uh, Disney character that we've seen and that we had already seen in uh, going quackers. And then when Mm -hmm. he gets turned into the superhero, that's when it changes the graphics into that comic book art style. Yeah. Not only, not only does the art style change though, but his voice changes too, which is really neat. They had two voice actors for, for Donald duck. Uh, the, when he starts off as Donald, he's voiced by Tony Ancello, who's the voice actor for Donald Duck in many things. And then when he uh, turns into his PK, I guess, alter ego, his voice changes to Rob Paulson.
1: Yes, classic Rob Paulson from uh, mm. Animaniacs, uh, from tons of other stuff. A fantastic voice actor. We've seen yeah. him on the show a couple times already.
0: Yeah, exactly. Oh, we're probably going to see him way more even though we only have about 100 games to go. He's <laughs> he's all over video games and and cartoons from this time, but oh, yeah. I know I know what you're saying though. Like when the game starts out, you're really quickly just thrust into this superhero world with no real reason and like the story just moves so quickly. Uh, if you picked up an early copy of this game, it did come with a comic book that covers the events of the prologue for the game. So I guess if you had that, it might explain a little bit more. But I don't know why they couldn't have just included that as the, like even as a comic book panel kind of thing. You don't have to animate it, but maybe do like what Ultimate Spider-Man did where we see comic book panels explaining what's going on. That would have been a neat thing to have.
1: Yeah, that's exactly that's what I was thinking of.
0: Yeah, but overall, you end up basically with this three-hour-long experience, and, you know, the gameplay is okay, but the story just moves at such a clip, and like like we said already, like, this is kind of the only—it was the first and then the only PK game that we'd ever see. This wasn't, like, the beginning of a series or anything on Nintendo hardware. It was just get in and get out.
1: Well, just a series in in anything, you know. No. I I can't remember seeing PK in North America on— anything in tv in comics and uh no. in just in movies or it was it's such a strange thing to me that there is kind of no push for this uh if you're making a video game based on it it's very very niche and and very weird i love the cover like i think it's i think it's a great art style i think it's such a cool concept i, I love alter egos for especially for characters like as kind of wacky and silly as someone like donald yeah. to go to the serious kind of mantra and and of this um this yeah, very much a dark anti-hero. And I and I love that. And I think the, the the story is is there and it's really cool, but it it just didn't have any supplemental material to, to help it along.
0: Not really, no. I actually really like the back of the case more than the front of the case. I know you said you like the you like the art oh, style. Yeah. The back, yeah. The, yeah, the back of the case is really honestly better than the front. Um because the front of the case is is Donald Duck in his in his weird outfit, just, you know, coming at the case with his fist You know, like Superman, basically, and like it looks like it looks kind of very generic to me, honestly. Like we've seen probably a hundred cases at this point where it's just the main character coming at the box with their weapon of choice and the title of the game. Yeah. Uh, But but the back of the case looks awesome. He's like this. You know, he looks like Batman. It's like a Dark Knight style of, uh, or that's not him. Is that's the uh, that's the bad guy in the game. But you've got like this dark brooding character on the back, and it's all comic book paneling, and like the voice bubbles are all that font from comic books, and there's word bubbles and. The sound effect uh, words in, in big letters, which is really neat. So that part is really cool. And I can only assume that the comic book is, is, is worth the read. But uh, if you pick this game up years later used, the, good luck finding that.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, like, there's so many missed opportunities in this game with mm-hmm. just even how they had dialogue. Like, you did mention how you would have liked it to be more like um, Ultimate Spider-Man in terms of the panels. But, like, when you are talking to people, it just comes up like a black, you know, overlay that comes up on the from the bottom of the screen. There's Mm -hmm. such an opportunity here to have, you know, the side-by-side panels or just have some cool comic book art style for a lot of these. Instead of going to the 3D rendered style of uh, of these enemies, it just feels so kind of, um, you know... uh, uh, put together hastily, like hastily put together uh, by Ubisoft. Uh, I-, I think they they also weren't really sure, <laughs> you know, what this no. game was supposed to be. They were probably a little a co- little bit confused on their own, saying like, "What is this? Like, what's our what's our motive here? Like, what's the motivation? Like, what what kind of story should we would be should we be telling?" It it just is too obscure to make into a a mainline game for for this generation. Uh, I think if you were to maybe put this out today. With some supplemental content and material yeah. to to push it along and maybe make it like a uh, a very, you know, I don't want to say hitman experience, but honestly, <laughs> kind of like a hitman experience. Like that yeah. would be really cool. That would suit his character uh, really well. Yeah. Obviously, you're not killing people, but like doing deeds in that sense and yeah. finding ways to, to, to creatively get to the, the end goal of the mission, I think would be really, really cool for P.K.,
0: Yeah, make it like a like a Spider Man noir kind of thing almost. Like because I didn't I honestly didn't I've seen this box or I've seen this game in in Mm -hmm. video game stores over the years. And I remember earlier on not knowing that this was Donald Duck, just because like why should I? Because it says Disney's PK out of the shadows. And it might say it does say on the back that it's got Donald Duck, but just looking at the front, like it looks like Donald Duck, but like there's a lot of ducks in the Disney universe that look like Donald Duck. Daffy Duck looks like Donald Duck, just black. So like I don't know what's going on. Um but I'm 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 not the target audience for, for this game, obviously. Well, um, no
1: one is. That's the, That was the issue, is that the, yeah. the target audience didn't exist, and you put a game out where there was no audience for it, and so I'm sure it mm-hmm. didn't do very well, because we have never seen a PK game since.
0: At least, it, it might have done better in Europe, just because this is yeah. based on the uh, the Italian comic book series, and Europe, uh, and North American fans just didn't really have anything to base it off of, unfortunately. But... With that, Mike, let's hit the back of the case of our last Donald Duck game of the day, and we'll move on to our Mickey games for the day. Oh, oh boy. Enter the sci-fi world of Disney's PK, the superhero alter ego of Donald Duck. Armed with his mega cyber device, you'll battle evil Evronion aliens and discover explosively futuristic hardware. Yeah, it's a
1: cool, it's honestly like a cool... Um, you know template for a, for a antihero kind of science fiction style, yeah, like Duck Dodgers, but they mm-hmm. unfortunately kind of bundled it a little bit and didn't work that great for a North American Gamecube release, but, Oh, well, we'll see. We'll see Donald again somewhere.
0: <laughs> we will. But now I, I kind of just want a, a Duck Dodgers game more than anything. Honestly, like I think I'd rather see oh that character God. come back than than PK out of the shadows. But we'll talk more about that towards the end of the day. Mike, surprisingly, believe it or not, we found somebody to talk about Disney's magical mirror starring Mickey Mouse. So with that, why don't you introduce our first caller of the day?
1: Okay, Neil, and joining us today is Emma, friend of the show, Kirsten's Cousin, and we're really happy to have her on today because she somehow made it through Disney's Magical Mirror, starring Mickey Mouse. But before we get into that monstrosity of a game, we are going to ask her the first question, which is, Emma, did you ever own a GameCube back in the day?
2: I did own a GameCube. I got one for Christmas, probably the first year it came out, and I had the purple one with a purple controller.
1: Ooh, beautiful. Nice. Classic Indigo. And uh, did your parents or whoever bought it for you, did they have the foresight to buy you a memory card with the system?
2: No, unfortunately not. I had to (laughs) replay my favorite games over and over again as they uh, did not buy me one for that Christmas, not knowing I guess it came with it. So I had to buy myself one after about a year.
1: (laughs) And were there any games then that you basically were forced to play through constantly because of that?
2: Yes, Legend of Zelda, Wind Waker, and of course, Luigi's Mansion. I had to listen to that guy open that front door uh, multiple (laughs) times.
0: You went went a year before buying a memory card for the GameCube?
2: Yeah, I wasn't actually a big gamer at all. So it was like, (laughs) to get that first console, it was like, yeah, cool, I'll play this. A couple of times and i was like mom i think i think i need this
0: <laughs> wow yeah that that is that is excruciatingly long most people that we have on this show are like same day they went back to get the memory card or next <laughs> next paycheck or next holiday whatever it was you waited a year that's incredibly You're a trooper emma very yeah it's incredibly strong of you to wait that long and did you happen to play disney's magical mystery or disney's magical mystery tour <laughs> disney's magical mirror starring mickey mouse in that time or uh or did you pick up that game quite a bit later
2: I think I picked it up actually quite early because uh, I would go rent the games from Roger's video and movies and stuff, obviously. But I would rent uh, games from there and just try them out for a week or two. And that was one of the games I did try out. And it was a massive disappointment.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Ah, yes. Well, that's... uh... We're going to be talking about that massive disappointment right now. Neil, why don't you give us the stats for Disney's Magical Mirror starring Mickey Mouse?
0: Sure thing. Disney's Magical Mirror starring Mickey Mouse was released on August 11th, 2002, developed by Capcom, published by Nintendo. It's a GameCube exclusive, rates a 5 out of 10, that's aggressively high, priced today at around $30, and this would be considered an action-adventure game, but more specifically, this is a point-and-click adventure game on a console of all things
1: <laughs> yes that's right so this game not great but what what are your first memories of playing this game Emma
2: I didn't actually play the whole thing through because that's it was fine. so damn boring <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, I remember playing up to the point where like the mirror broke and you had to like look for all the pieces and such just right away as soon as you start playing the game you're like what is this? Why did someone make this game? Like, you have this awesome <laughs> joystick and you're asking me to point and click through mm-hmm. the, something that looks like a weird, bright Luigi's Mansion. Like, oh, it was awful. <laughs>
0: yeah, this is easily one of the worst looking games on the console and, like, the most annoying to listen to. Like, you never hear Mickey really talk. He's just doing the ho ho and, like, the whole, like, uh, the entire. I think the game might only take three hours to beat. You, you, uh, you raged quit pretty early on. That mirror <laughs> smashes within the first five or 10 minutes, I think.
2: <laughs> I- no i rewatched like a video walkthrough of it and i was like oh well, yep. seven minutes in that was right, <laughs> right where i got to it
0: <laughs> yeah that, that, that's pretty early on i'm sure that that's if we had heat maps of this game in 2022 that's about where i'm sure most people fell off was once they found out that this is like a point and click you decide which room to go to and the puzzles are all basically solving themselves what's interesting though we may have watched the same video on youtube it's a let's play like i said about three hours long 2.2 million views on that video wow I mean,
1: there's a lot of people who wanted to see how this game ends, clearly, instead of actually playing through it.
0: I can tell you how it ends, though. I'm going to spoil this for you, Emma. I'm really sorry. But basically, spoilers, Mickey does find all the pieces to the mirror. He puts it all back together. And he comes out of the mirror like it's a bad dream and everything. He wakes up the next day. And basically, he just says, I hope I have cheese, and then goes downstairs. What? That's it. He wakes up like like what? hoping that hoping that everything that happened was just a bad dream because there's like there's like this ghost that kind of kidnapped him. that turns out the ghost just wanted a friend. I guess you're supposed to feel bad for the ghost at that point. The ghost comes out into the real world with Mickey. Uh, and Mickey wakes up and goes, "Was it all a dream?" And then he says, "I hope I have cheese." And then he goes downstairs and then the credits roll. <laughs> wow. Well- what the <laughs> greatest what the hell is story that ever supposed told to mean <laughs> multi-billion dollar indi- multi-billion dollar corporation this is what they came up I with I
1: mean he's a mouse so he likes
0: cheese I forget that he's a mouse sometimes
2: <laughs> Oh yeah that doesn't even that didn't even like click for me I was like why would he want cheese <laughs> I know <laughs> his that name took is, me a second <laughs>
0: his species is in his name and I forget that he's a mouse half the time but yeah that's that's in a nutshell how the game ends I'm sorry for spoiling it for you but uh <laughs> Yeah, all in all, a very, a very uh, dull thanks. game. Thanks, I would have
2: never made it through. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe you can go back to Roger's video and rent the game again.
2: Uh, hopefully, yeah, one day.
1: <laughs> yeah, this
2: is definitely a rental game for
1: sure. This is not a great game to buy. It is $30 today, which is, uh, I mean, it's probably $30 not well spent, <laughs> to be fair. But this is a GameCube exclusive. So, uh, mm-hmm. Emma, this was the only place that you could have played it on was a GameCube. And because of this, did you... was the was the The GameCube the only console that you had back in the day?
2: Yeah, actually, it was. It's the only console I've ever owned. Uh, We weren't really, like, a big video game family, per se. My parents weren't, like, super about them, I guess, and neither were my sister and I, but, like, I loved that GameCube. Like, I played Luigi's Mansion and Legend of Zelda all the time, and probably Pikmin as well. Yes. And then the only other game I played was, like, Super Monkey Balls when friends came over, right?
1: (laughs) Wow. wow. That's what that's why it just this is so funny to me that you played these, you know, AAA great games, just fantastic. And then boom, you have uh the, this Mickey Mouse game which is just so random. And like was there like was there any reason that you guys got this game?
2: I think it was because it was rated a bit lower and I would think I was thinking almost that my sister would want to play it cuz she's uh 4 years younger, but uh we took it home and like my sister wasn't even one to play the big game she would just like watch me rip through the other ones but like we took this one home within 10 minutes i was like mom i don't i don't understand (laughs) we made an (laughs) error (laughs) (laughs) yeah we made a mistake
0: (laughs) miscalculated please take this back rogers hopefully they let us let us take it back but if you had been like a kid in the 80s and the 90s though and you had picked up like any capcom disney games like ducktales and Aladdin and Lion King. I think like some of those were Capcom games, and they are all really good games. I don't know what happened with the Capcom Disney partnership in the two thousands. Fell off a cliff, unfortunately. Like uh, Disney in general, Disney games in general on the GameCube, unfortunately, fell from grace. Because if you had bought, if you had bought like Mickey's Magical Mystery Tour on uh, on the SNES back in the day, it probably would have been a really good game. But for some reason, the quality of these we call them the OG Disney games with the Goofies and the Donalds and the Mickey's they're all. Not good.
1: Yeah, and this is something that we, we've already talked about a little bit in this episode, but I want to kind of get your opinion on this, Emma, is like, as as a kid, you know, kind of the, from the, the early 90s, like us, and uh, growing up, not really with Mickey Mouse and Donald and as much as maybe some of the other Disney and Pixar properties. Like, how
2: did you feel seeing Mickey Mouse in his own game? Like, did that actually speak to you at all? Um, It was probably, like, the reason I picked it up was because it was Mickey. There's, like, some familiar familiarity. But, like, I don't care for Mickey at all. Like, even just rewatching the video now, I was like, this guy is annoying as all hell. Like, <laughs> yeah. every sound he makes is awful. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, there's definitely not, like... I don't care for him so it was definitely I didn't feel bad giving it back and that's that's for sure.
1: Yeah, that and that's like the thing you know we're going to talk more about a couple of these other games but all the Disney games on the GameCube if you can believe it only had the main like the old disney characters it only had goofy uh donald duck mickey and then obviously i guess like sometimes pluto and and some of the other random characters from those times but we didn't get any actual disney characters from the early 2000s like a, a lilo and stitch for example or anything from the early 2000s so emperors
0: like, new groove
1: yeah honestly like that <laughs> i would have taken that and and so emma would you would you have felt more connected to these games if we actually got Uh, Disney characters from the early 2000s instead of Mickey and these guys.
2: Yeah, so I totally agree with you with that. They could have used anything from, like, the 90s even, because we were, what, 10 when this, like, thing came out? Like, they could have used, like, any Disney princess. Like I said, Emperor's New Groove would have been a way better idea. But I think the whole... Game was almost a throwaway idea because of how poorly it was developed.
1: Exactly, and that's where it just makes just no sense. It's such a head scratcher. I don't, I don't understand. This was August two thousand two. This came out, and Emma, we got like six or seven more Disney games with the Mickey Mouse gang yep. uh, to go along with this, which is just like really upsetting to me. <laughs>
0: And they didn't end there, too, because with the Wii, they had Epic Mickey, which I think those games are actually pretty good. Epic Mickey 1 and 2, they finally came around and, like, made good games. And then Disney Infinity was huge with the Toys to Life series, which centered around Mickey and Donald and Goofy, but it also included way more of the Disney umbrella. Like, eventually we even got Marvel and Star Wars in there, too. So they were building up to what what they would eventually become with video games. But unfortunately, we really did have to suffer through about five years of unfortunately trash really like there's maybe one or two <laughs> redeeming titles in the disney uh, pantheon of games in the gamecube generation but unfortunately we were not getting the same quality as we were uh being 90s kids
1: well uh emma is there anything else you'd like to say about disney's magical mirror starring mickey mouse before we let you go <laughs>
2: It was terrible from start to midpoint, and (laughs) I hated the little pointer altogether. It was gross.
1: (laughs) Perfect. Yeah, you know what? That is a great summary of it. I agree. And Neil, I think it's time now for you to read the back of the case.
0: Okay, will do. Emma, in case you didn't know, we read the back of the case of every single GameCube game. That's kind of like our mission statement of this podcast is to at some point read the back of every single case uh, on the GameCube. So here it goes for Disney's Magical Mirror starring Mickey Mouse. Join Mickey in a fun-filled adventure as he gets lost in a magical world inside his bedroom mirror. That's it. (laughs) Just a quick summary of the game.
1: Yeah, do you think that accurately explains the game, Emma?
2: Yeah, like it does. It doesn't give you anything more. It's just like, here we are. Take it as it is.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we agree. But to thank you very much for coming on today. We really appreciate it. Obviously, we don't know anyone who has played this game and we haven't played it either. So we are really appreciative that you were able to come on and talk to us a little bit about your experiences and memories
0: playing Magical Mirror. (laughs)
2: Thanks for the, uh, I guess, embarrassing call out that I played this awful game.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We all have those stories, unfortunately, in our back catalog of games. But uh, yeah, cool. Thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again real soon.
2: (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Have a good one. Thank
0: you. You too. Bye-bye. What a nice young lady.
1: What a nice young lady. Thank you very much, Emma, for coming on today. We really appreciate all your, your insights, your memories, and uh, just being able to talk about this game because, yeah, I, I think there's very few people on Earth who are able to successfully talk about this game, Neil
0: successfully talk about it and can admit that they beat it like like emma said like she stopped playing as soon as the mirror broke which is basically (laughs) when the story of the game starts so she figured out pretty soon that this game is not is not great and that's why i said up front like this is one of the worst games on the console is because we're talking about disney here like we're not talking about you know any of the other publishers or developers that we've talked about we're not talking about any acclaim or or anything like that like this is disney now and yes they do do a lot of outsourcing with their video game development but still like when you're talking about mickey mouse who at this point in 2002 was coming up on 100 years old like you'd think that they would have some kind of quality like bar of quality that they want to hit with this game and we've seen great disney games by 2002 we saw all yep. of the great games in the 80s and 90s and and we even see some pretty good disney games now it's just weird that in this kind of five to ten year gap of of years we just saw trash after trash come out
1: what i what really doesn't make sense to me at all and we did mention it obviously because it's the main feature is the fact that it's a point-and-click game but Mm -hmm. the fact that it's a gamecube exclusive neil it's not like it's like a sims game that was made for pc that got brought over to the gamecube and it's like well Mm -hmm. you know you just have to kind of live with this because this is how the game was designed it was designed for pc players but magical mirror is designed for the gamecube
0: I know. Like, they thought, like, okay, we got this GameCube, this great controller, this great console, a lot of power behind it. This would have been a good game if it was, like, a cereal box, like you bought a box of Lucky Charms, and this is the game you get. I think that this game, we'd probably be talking way differently about these games today. If these were just cereal box games, instead they were... Maybe not all full price, but they were all probably at least 40 to $50 back in the day, and they were sold as fully licensed games under Capcom and Konami's, Konami's banner, and this is what we got. And yeah, a point-and-click game, not a PC port. This was built from the ground up for the GameCube, and this is what we end up with. It's just very head-scratching and it's not like that you could even hook up a mouse or a you had the keyboard from fantasy star online but no mouse support like i think if you could have played this game with a mouse and keyboard it may have been a completely different story but uh nope you had the gamecube controller and that completely changes interacting with the game
1: yeah oh exactly i I, this is just a (laughs) mind-boggling game and i don't want to ever talk about it again neil so let's move on to disney's hide and sneak just a terrible title
0: Hide and Sneak. Alright, so Disney's Hide and Sneak was released on November 30th, 2003, developed and published by Capcom this time. Still a GameCube exclusive, thanks Capcom. This game rates a 5 out of 10, once again that's generous, priced today at around $35 and this is an action-adventure, and this is the last game to feature Mickey Mouse as the protagonist until 2010 with the Epic Mickey series.
1: Uh, Epic Mickey, which is actually a pretty good game. But uh, unfortunately, we're not talking about uh, (laughs) games like that today, Neil. We're talking about Hide and Sneak, which I said is a terrible, terrible name for a uh, a game because like what? Why? How? Who? But uh, (laughs) it's technically a stealth game. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yep, it, it is. It is. that's where the sneak. It's it's yeah. Mike. It's a play on the words hide and seek. You see that the classic childhood Shut game. <laughs> <laughs> but this is not just a simple hide and seek game, Mike. There is a plot, just like any other classic stealth game. This this could be drawn parallel to the Splinter Cell series, if you will. Not not even close. No, uh, please, there's a small... <laughs>
1: Please don't, don't sully the Splinter Cell name by saying that.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. There's a small alien named Lulu who's floating around in space. She gets hit by a meteor and falls to Earth. Mickey and Minnie Mouse are having a picnic, for obvious reasons, uh, when they discover Lulu who crash lands on this planet. In any other story, this would become a just a complete body harvest game where aliens take over, but it's a Disney game nonetheless. At first, uh, they think that she's a mushroom, but then Minnie or Mickey, depending on who you're playing as, uh, depending on who you're playing as, climbs on her and starts doing poses uh, for the character. Uh, Then all of a sudden, Lulu starts floating away with the other mouse still standing on it, and it's up to you, the the other character, either Minnie or Mickey, to go after them and find them, hence the sneak part of the game.
1: Yes, the sneaking, which, and I will say I'm a big fan of the fact that you can play as Mickey or Minnie. That's like a big one. And I'm glad that they finally were able to put this in after a couple of games. And the game itself doesn't look bad. You know, Magical Mirror, like we said, that looks bad. That does not look like a good game Uh -uh. Uh, in terms of the graphics, the gameplay, everything. This game actually looks okay. And the angle that you're at, it's not a point and click game. So that helps a lot. And so like the angle that you're at with it, you're kind of at this uh, 2.5D style kind of, uh, I Uh guess, uh, angled uh, camera. And you know, the, it it plays okay. It's not terrible. It, the graphics look nice. The there is something satisfying about slowly moving your analog controller to 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 make Mickey go in like a extremely slow pace, mm-hmm. uh, which I th- I think was a, a nice little addition and, and touch here. So this was a game that Capcom put a little bit more time into than yeah. a Magical Mirror, and clearly clearly there was a lot of thought put into this as well. But it just like there's just not a lot of stuff going on in this.
0: No, and again, like we're going back to what we talked about with uh, Mickey's Magical Mystery Tour, uh, is that I don't want to play games as Mickey or Minnie Mouse. Like this would have been such a such a cooler game if this was based on a movie or a TV series back in the day. Like how cool would it have been, Mike, if there was a stealth Recess game?
1: Oh my! Stealth Recess game would be amazing. But like for me, the first thing I thought of was Lilo and Stitch when I saw, when I saw the, um,
0: alien coming down to earth. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Completely.
1: Uh, Like why it's, I, I, I don't know if, you know, I, and I did research on this to figure out like if there's a licensing thing or something, Mm. but it just seemed like Disney in the early 2000s, like we said, wasn't doing great. They, for whatever reason, thought that going back to the like Mickey and the gang would save them, I guess. And, and, uh, another, I think big reason why we have Mickey and and his gang in a lot of uh, these early 2000s games was because Capcom created these assets and kind of just kept reusing them. Oh, that's <laughs> like, a good point. <laughs> that's one of the big ones. And because these games were, they're like you said, they're not budget titles, but they're not full price titles either for the most mm-hmm. part. So yeah. like... It's it's uh, for, for Capcom and Disney's benefit, they're like, OK, these titles aren't going to sell probably like gangbusters, but they're not going to not sell anything. So let's just kind of keep pumping some of these games out, the sports games, the not so great uh, Mickey games, and let's just keep making them so we can kind of turn a small profit and go to the next thing. Because there was clearly like a, a license that they had with Nintendo at this point.
0: Sure. I like to think that there was, there was somebody out there who had a GameCube who only ever bought these Disney (laughs) child games. Like they only bought the Disney hide and sneak and the magical mirror starring Mickey Mouse. They only bought the Winnie the Pooh game. And they only bought like all of these games. Like I loved like Curious George, like they only bought, they didn't buy any AAA gritty games. They just had, like I picture this childhood like daycare room and they just have this small stack of 10 games and they're all the e-games that basically play themselves and like you said this game doesn't really have any challenge to it which i don't know if that's like a, a knock against the game like it's clearly not a game made for for us who have played the splinter cell games or the james bond stealth levels like this is meant to be like a kid's first stealth game so it's hard to know if that's like a pro or a con to the game but other big issues with the game of course is the camera system is terrible uh, the, ca- the, camera, yeah. <laughs> the camera, the camera, the camera stays focused on you, the main character, which prevents you from getting a good look at your environment, which is a big problem with a stealth game when you're trying to peek around corners or see what's on the other end of an object. Like you need to be able to know what's on the other side of the room while you're sneaking around. That's probably the biggest issue with the game.
1: Oh, for sure. That it, it, Like it's extremely frustrating when you're behind stuff and you can't move around to see what's like what's around you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and cause you're kind of seeing like a see-through, uh, I guess, uh, see, like seeing through the big boxes or whatever that the switches behind, uh, like that is so mm. frustrating to to be in that situation because you could tell that a lot of this takes uh, cues from Metal Gear. Like there's a lot of, though. Uh, <laughs> honestly, it sounds funny to say, but like the way that the gameplay works, the shadows and everything, like it it, it is very Metal Gear esque. And yeah, uh, and the fact that you're kind of just doing a half ass job, and of course not being able to control the cameras properly, that has really hurt it.
0: Definitely. And then the control system, like, again, like, even just controlling through the world is is a bit rough. Like, there's inconsistency in terms of, like, what you can and can't jump over as Mickey. Like, there's really tall things that you can climb up and jump over, and then there's other tall things which you can't, which is an issue in a lot of video games. That's not really – that's not unique to a Mickey Mouse game. Mm -hmm. I find that with other – games as well from this generation and from the current generation too which is which is too bad um but yeah the load times in this game uh there's the game loads between every room which is bloody yeah. annoying yeah, like that, that uh, taking a hint from resident evil maybe resident
1: evil yeah so we got resident <laughs> evil splinter cell uh solid snake you know this is just uh <laughs> this is great oh I, I another thing i forgot to say um the beginning of this game uh hmm. it's it's an ad for the game, I don't know if you noticed this, Neil, but it's like no. it's like a minute and thirty seconds, or like maybe a minute, and it's basically just like an ad telling you exactly what's going to happen in the game. Oh, good. And then, like that's how they explain the plot. <laughs> 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 it was the one of the weirdest things I've ever experienced. Um, so bizarre. But yeah, uh, you know, three D platformer mixed with stealth, like you said, uh, yeah. super kind of kiddish. Uh, you know, in theory, this game should be good. Uh, but it, and it's not bad. I really shouldn't, I, I don't want to knock on this game too much because it's not a bad game. It just no. is. It just exists and it doesn't really serve that much of a purpose. So
0: no. Like, it's Capcom's second at bat uh, on the GameCube. Like, we've had our Ubisoft games, which we've already talked about. We're just about to talk about our Konami offerings. So this was uh, this was Capcom's second chance at uh, at making a good Disney game. I think it's definitely better than uh, Mickey's Magical Mirror starring Mickey Mouse, whatever the hell it's called. Uh, but it's, it's nothing close to what Capcom was doing in the 90s, which I've already said a bunch. So with that, Mike, I think it's time we hit the back of the case of Disney's Hide and Sneak and move on to our next game. Sounds good. All right, join Mickey and Minnie on a brand new action adventure. That's that's a bold action adventure. <laughs> Play as Mickey and rescue Minnie. Wait. Play as Mickey and rescue Minnie from mysterious flying creatures. You will need to solve puzzles, run, jump, dodge, and hide from the enemies. Control Mickey as he hangs onto ropes, climbs onto containers, and uses stealth maneuvers to evade foes.
1: I like how would, the, like such a focus on, like, oh, you can control Mickey. It's like, well, you can, can play as Minnie, too. So, I mean, you're just going to forget that? Okay.
0: Yeah, I know. I guess it's hard to, like, yeah, to say, like, every time, either Mickey or Minnie. They do say that below. Like, you can play as both characters. And Mike, this was the game that came out to celebrate 75 years with Mickey Mouse. But for now, let's move forward and talk about the two remaining sports games on the console. We'll talk about them both at the same time because they're very similar. I can hear people screaming in their car right now as we say that, but too bad. First, we have Disney Sports Football, which was released on December 6, 2002. This is American football. Sorry, European listeners, we're not talking about soccer. We already did that. This game is developed and published by Konami. It's on GameCube and the Game Boy Advance. We don't see that combo too often. It rates a 6 out of 10, priced today at around $90. This is a football game. Then we also have Disney Sports Basketball, which was released on January 13th, 2003, developed and published yet again by Konami. The game is also on GameCube and Game Boy Advance. Uh, This game rates a 4 out of 10, but on the Game Boy Advance, Mike, if you were to pick up that little gem, you'd be looking at a 2.5 out of 10. It does not hold up particularly well, but this is one of the more expensive games on the console. It's $300 today, and obviously it's a basketball game.
1: Yeah, that's a this is a really, really rare game to find. Uh I see it yeah. behind cases sometimes. It's very expensive, and that will only go up in price for sure. And we did mm-hmm. get other Disney Sports games. We have already talked about them all, I believe, though. So this is we're just kinda nailing off the last two here. Uh there's Disney Sports Motocross, Disney Sports Snowboarding, Disney Sports Skateboarding, Disney Sports Extreme, mm-hmm. uh, uh at Disney and Disney Sports Soccer. So we right. got, I believe. Eight or nine Disney sports games in total for the GameCube. I believe all of them or most of them are exclusive to Nintendo consoles.
0: Uh, the four of them are exclusive to the GameCube. The the, the, the skateboard Skateboarding and soccer were the the two exclusives. The other ones, I believe, are all on other consoles like PS2 and Xbox. Mm, okay. Um, interesting though that they made a Game Boy Advance version as well. I I like I said at the top there, like we didn't see that very often. Even with Nintendo games, we almost never saw like a GameCube and a Game Boy Advance version of their games.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, we got the Game Boy Color. Like that's, uh, it's and in two thousand three too, which is kind of a little late because we already have the mm-hmm. Game Boy Advance out. But yeah, it's it's super like within basically 2 years we get yep, 8 or 9 games in the Disney Sports Pantheon of uh of <laughs> games and it's just and all developed by Konami, a a fantastic right. developer from the 90s, renowned developer for making Metal Gear of course and many other great games and then uh we get these Disney Sports games. So yeah, the Disney Sports Football it's an okay game. We get uh, classic Mortimer Mouse uh, finally coming here. Finally, yeah, he's back. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and and we talked about this on the the soccer episode in episode three, and we talked about these games also on the extreme sports episode in episode six, I believe. So it's been almost ninety episodes since we talked about <laughs> Disney Sports again, and there's wow. a reason for that because these are not uh, great. Although Disney Sports Football does have Scrooge McDuck, it's got. Mm-hmm. Uh, Couple others, Mortimer, like we said. There's a big bad wolf from Three Little Pigs. There's the alligators from Fantasia, which was a really random inclusion.
0: Yeah, what's that about? <laughs> what's going on there?
1: That's like we're we're reaching for people. And again, this is like <laughs> this weird classic Disney OG Disney that they they yeah. refuse to stray away from. I I, I know we're, we brought it up a thousand times already in this episode, but I can't stop bringing it up because it just is so weird to me that they want to kind of keep this world alive and i have no problem you know putting the original kind of og cast in some of these games but why are you not bringing in your new like uh your new entities in here
0: I I know I I don't I don't know exactly what was going on with Disney and licensing out their uh, their IP to different uh, video game developers has always been weird, and I'm assuming it was back then too. Like Konami published a total of sixteen games for Disney between nineteen ninety nine and twenty fifteen. Mm-hmm. So I can only imagine like they had to stick within certain parameters as to what characters they could use, which is why they're reaching so far into the back catalog to get to bring out the alligators from Fantasia. Uh, in a time when like we have Pixar's coming out strong, like even Disney movies in the, in the two thousands, like they're not the most beloved Disney films of all time, but from our generation, they are like Emperor's New Groove and Lilo and Stitch are becoming classics. And, and to, to us, not, not so much at the time, I suppose they weren't critically well received at the time, but they are getting there. Like it would have been cool to have seen like Cusco's team and, uh, and Stitch's team and, And everybody like having the dinosaurs from Dinosaur in there, too, (laughs) like just random stuff like that would have been really cool. They eventually did get on to do that in Disney Infinity, which is nice. But with the Disney sports football, I do want to say the hype, the intro is pretty hyped. The the character rosters being announced. That's really cool.
1: That was cool. And I, I, I did like that a lot. But in terms of the actual gameplay, it is quite similar to Madden at the time. Graphics, but also just the, the the gameplay, the play calling is almost identical, and how that's uh, kind of shown on screen, which I thought was funny. It looks like one for one with Madden at the time. Uh, the the stadiums are pretty cool. Like the graphics are 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 nice for the most part. And the all the mechanics like the punting and everything mm-hmm. that you have are extremely similar. even when you catch a punt, it slows down just like Madden 05 or 06 would at this point. So mm-hmm. there's you know, they clearly were kind of just copying Madden and making a football game. It is interesting to think though that like this like football like American football was a game that they were trying to push for in, a, in with Disney characters. it that that's maybe the weirdest part about all of this is that you never see, you know things like Mar- imagine doing a Mario American football, right? Yeah. I think it's a, it's the same way. Sega American football. It's it 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 doesn't fit. Like something's off about it. It, it, it like the soccer makes sense. Even basketball makes a bit more sense. You see Mario mm-hmm. playing in NBA Street Three, of course. But seeing these kind of kiddish cartoon characters smash each other uh, somewhat realistically on a football field. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. There's something weird about that.
0: For a country that, or for like a world where football is really only played in North America, like, and when you think about Disney today, like it's huge in China. Like they don't play football in China. No. So to do something like that would be completely backwards. I don't think you're going to see Nintendo definitely not tackle an American football game. No pun intended. Uh, I, 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 still am holding out for a uh, Nintendo hockey. I think we talked about that yeah, several months ago for a Nintendo Sp- I would love a hockey game, but that's coming from a Canadian podcaster saying that, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I realize hockey's not popular mostly everywhere else. So that, that's totally fine. But basketball did make sense too. Like we, we had soccer, which makes the most sense. Basketball is up there too, mm-hmm. to have a, to have a sports game to cover that, uh, same 13 teams as uh, Disney football, which is cool. I love seeing Goofy in this game because he looks ridiculously tall. <laughs> he
1: does. <laughs> they just made him like the, the center. Basically, yeah. just like that, the, the tallest guy on the on the court. And yeah, this honestly, I know this gets gets worse ratings, and I think it's because this game is much more arcadey yeah. than uh than Disney Sports Football. Cause again, I gotta say, Disney Sports Football is basically
0: Madden in every way. I was way. gonna say that. Like this <laughs> looks like a Madden game to me, and I'm glad that you talked about it's the comparison to Madden, because I was like this doesn't look terrible it doesn't look completely different from a madden game and yeah watching disney sports basketball compared to an nba game completely different this is actually closer to like a mario strikers if anything
1: it is yeah constant power-ups all the time yeah uh just very fast like stupidly fast uh that you're going <laughs> through the game uh it, it's the th- honestly the the i know they're probably using similar character models but it just the they look like almost shiny. The the, the the characters looked a little strange to me in the basketball yeah. one compared to football. Maybe it's because I'm seeing them more close up without equipment on too. But right. uh, yeah, it, the, the basketball one just seemed a little too crazy for my liking.
0: Too crazy. I, I agree that I think with sharper graphics, it could be a little bit better. My biggest issue with the basketball one, we talk a lot about uh, announcers in sports games and how much we admire their work. I despise the announcer of Disney basketball.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was really, he was really annoying. Mickey Mouse from the three-point line. Like,
0: and he says something for everything (laughs) Everything. that happens. I know, I know. He doesn't shut up the entire game. And I'm sorry if if for some reason that person is listening to this, but uh, I couldn't stand it. I needed something a little less. I needed way less announcing. I needed the voice to not be so cartoony and Disney Channel-like. Like, (laughs) Like, it's ridiculously irritating to hear him. I would shut that off instantly if I had this game.
1: Honestly, oh my god, and and the HUD for this game is crazy. Like there, there's so much stuff on your screen. Like the basketball court is is, almost feels so small comparison in comparison to everything. And yeah, the the, I don't know. They could have actually done some cool things with Disney Sports Basketball again if you put some different characters in here instead of just standard. I don't even know what they are, like who you play with, you know, when you're just like playing with uh, teams like mice. Are they like, what are these things?
0: That was the weird thing was why I I think that these games are so similar to Mario Strikers, because when you play Mario Strikers, you're given a team of like Toads or or Koopas or Goombas or whatever. And this one, I'm like, who are these little guys? (laughs) I know. I don't know enough about the Disney lore to know who these characters are. That's why I need I would need like an anchor to a more, I guess, current day Disney franchise to know what the heck is going on. Uh, I think that they they should have done something more like that, but I don't know if Capcom or Konami were given the keys to the castle no pun intended at, at the time to to use those movies and characters, which is too bad because like I would love another Disney sports game to come out and and have more characters like combine Infinity with with Mario Golf and Mario Strikers could be so much fun like playing basketball as Darth Vader versus Goofy like bring it on man that'd be so cool
1: <laughs> honestly like that, that would be that's that, that's where I want that kind of stuff to live and yeah. it's weird because. You know, I mentioned graphics, but the the cutscenes are all fantastic. Like mm-hmm. the the cutscene to the Disney Sports Network logo is really cool and 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 it looks very realistic to like what an actual sports uh, kind of trailer would look like. And the of course the the intro, the 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 yeah. the first cutscene, just like football, super hype. Like yeah. I want to play this game just because of the uh, the opening trailer. So
0: unfortunate but uh nonetheless that is the the last bit of the uh disney sports games on the console do you have anything else you want to say about these games mike before we close out the episode because i'm just about tapped out
1: yeah i think we're good for for disney and the disney sports especially we'll put a nail in the coffin although we will Mm. probably hear disney extreme adventure skate adventure uh from marty when he comes on for the uh (laughs) the extreme sports episode coming in a couple weeks
0: pretty sure there's a simple plan song in that game so i am very excited for that but anyway let's hit the back of the case first with disney football mickey and his pals turn football upside down get ready for some serious game with explosive tackles and spectacular touchdowns as mickey goofy and other disney favorites it's a strong word take to the gridiron favorites really okay everyone's favorite mortimer mouse (laughs) he's our favorite that's right yeah And now we have Disney Sports Basketball. Everyone's favorite Disney characters change onto the court for some Slam Dunkin' action. Who will be on your team? Mickey? Minnie? Donald? Goofy? Have they got what it takes to beat the evil arch-rival? Train them up and get them ready for an entertaining, fast-paced basketball game full of Disney magic. Featuring simple controls, famous Disney characters, and several game modes including training, challenge mode, and a multiplayer option. I will say some of the arenas are actually kinda cool in the basketball
1: uh, one. There's Charmers Arena, I think it's called, and it's like the the Disney castle that you yeah. play in. Like that's that's pretty sweet.
0: Where are you playing when you're in like the uh, like the back alley streets? Like what where's that supposed to be? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's the gritty side. That's where uh, Lady and the Tramp are getting the uh, ah. the pasta. Okay, gotcha. Like, where the hell, where the heck was Roger Rabbit? <laughs> Roger Rabbit should have been. That would be really cool, though.
1: A lot of missed opportunities, and that's the theme of today's episode. Of course, is missed opportunities. Neil, there were a mm. lot here. And with that said, what games in this missed opportunity list would you would you recommend oh. to the uh, listener, if any?
0: Oh, man. Uh, I I don't know if I can really... I'm not personally looking for any of these games, honestly, but if I had to pick one, like, gun to my head, you got to go out and buy a game right now, it's probably going to be one of the Donald Duck games. Like, maybe Going Quackers or the PK game Out of the Shadow. Like, I'm definitely not picking up either of the the Mickey games, honestly, but I I don't want any of these games, I'm going to say right now. But if someone's like, hey, I have a copy of Donald Duck on GameCube, I'll take it. But other than that, (laughs) pass. How about you? Any (laughs) games that you would recommend?
1: Yeah, you know what? I would probably say the same thing. Although I will say I would like to try and find Disney sports football at a relatively okay price. Not the $90. If I can find it for maybe less than $50, uh, that would be amazing. And I would love to pick that up because it's just so interesting. You don't really see Madden clones or just football clones in general. EA kind of has a stranglehold on that market. So that would be really cool.
0: Yeah, sports games in general, like uh, like you said, like I, I really miss, that's why that backyard kids, you know, backyard sports games were really cool, because that's basically what we got. It's just you were playing as yeah. kids versions of the athletes, but Nick, we want to play as some of our favorite our favorite Disney or Nintendo characters sometimes. It's just a lot more fun. And speaking of Disney characters, Mike, where do you see the future of the classic Disney characters going forward? Do you think that we'll ever see anything, any era like this again on Nintendo hardware?
1: Well, I mean, I don't think we'll ever see just Disney characters, and I don't think we'll ever see Disney exclusive games on Nintendo hardware for a long time, um, if ever. Uh, I think Epic okay. Mickey kind of put the nail in the coffin, even though that's a good game, uh, but yeah. I don't think it. I don't think it met the expectations because they did make Epic Mickey two, and okay. uh, I don't think that met expectations sales wise. So Disney kind of went away from that. But Disney, for the most part. You know, they've decided to move in a different direction completely from, you know, creating original characters. That's not really what they're about anymore. They're more about using the existing characters uh, and brands that they've acquired over the last 20 years since these games came out. Which is honestly probably a better financial move for them, right? Because now you're not taking these risks and creating these new characters or bringing back these old classic characters to, to have their own games. You know, now you can basically just have like Disney Infinity style or Disney Racing, which came out uh, earlier this year for the Switch. So we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're still going to see Disney games that are definitely tailored to Nintendo consoles, I would say, because it is the, the most kid friendly console and disney mm-hmm. of course being the most kid-friendly fan uh kid-friendly corporation in that sense but um i don't know i don't think we'll ever see a D- disney nintendo partnership like we got in the early 2000s on the gamecube
0: i don't think so either i think you're going to keep seeing ports of the old capcom games which is really neat we got the disney saturday afternoon collection last year i believe which yeah is really cool like aladdin and lion king are coming back and then we got the uh the uh, not Scrooge McDuck with the DuckTales game that came out like that's a classic NES and yes. Game Boy game that got remastered on the Wii U of all things, and I think it's been since ported to the Switch. But that's all cool stuff to get the classic uh, classic games. A exclusive Disney game again on on Nintendo. I don't think we're ever going to see anything like that again. Like you said, Disney now lean into the franchises that they buy instead of characters that they build out of nothing in terms of video games. So. The Disney games that we're getting in this generation now are Star Wars, you know, Jedi Fallen Order and Marvel Avengers slash Spider-Man slash Wolverine slash whatever else. Uh, I think if anything, like you're just going to keep seeing games like that come out, which aren't going to be on Nintendo hardware. Sorry to say it. Those games are made for PC and Xbox and uh, PS4. It's too bad we're not seeing any sort of dumbed down version for, uh, for the Switch come out, but maybe Nintendo's next console. Um, I would love to see them, I would love to see them go back into their back catalog and make some, some, you know, kind of Disney infinity again, mm. a collection of characters like, like show some love too a lot. Like you have hundreds of movies over the years and shows and everything that's just been sort of left to to sort of die or just kind of you know it's on disney plus now you can watch it on the streaming service but i love the gritty games that they're making with the jedi fallen order series is really fun but i i want to see that you know kid version of disney again you know like
1: exactly we still, get,
0: we still get the frozens and everything but like and the the movie that came out this year and kanto is really good but i want them to you know d- dive back into the 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 Innocent time, I guess, is a weird thing to say, but like the you know the the golden era, the Peter Pan and the Beauty and the Beast, like like show me a video game with that again. That'd be a lot of fun.
1: I agree. It would be really really nice to kind of go back to the time where Disney didn't own everything, you know, and just well, like that's not happening. Yeah, and like and, and kind of go back to that era because this is it, it, you know we talk about these games, and they're not very good, but it it makes me a little sad because these were the last vestiges of kind of Disney as. We knew it as our parents knew it, as yeah. our parents' parents knew it. So it's 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 kind of broken off like that. That was it. We're never gonna see that again, really. And so there's something special about these games that I think will actually rise in price a lot yeah. over the next couple of years. They already have, as we can see a little bit, but I think they're gonna get really expensive because they're games of a bygone era. Uh, this uh, early two thousands Disney is really the last stand of original Disney and like the, the Disney that Walt kind of envisioned, you know, now we see very much mega corporation and conglomerate style of, in terms of how they do everything. Uh, Mm -hmm. but yeah, so it's a little sad to me to, to see these games and be like, Oh man, like this is, this is the, the old times.
0: Yeah. It's going to be like the Activision Spider-Man games where they're just going to be removed from all digital storefronts. And the only way to play them is, illegally or if you spend a lot of money to buy the disc on on ebay but please if you learned anything from today please do not buy magical mirror <laughs> starring mickey mouse on gamecube for anything over twenty dollars please do not please please but, Mike, while well, we're rubbing two sticks together trying to play old school Disney games on our GameCube, why don't you let the listeners know what they can expect next week on episode 100 of the GameCube of School podcast?
1: Whoa, Neil. 100 episodes? Oh, Damn. my God. We made it to 100, or we will be making it to 100 episodes after two years of podcasting. We can't think you guys enough for listening it's been amazing and we're going to go in depth about uh, the top 100 Nintendo games that Neil has put together uh, the list of all the uh, submissions that everyone has been sending in for their top Nintendo games I'm really excited to, to hear what that list ends up being and of course we're going to talk about Super Mario Strikers to celebrate us reaching 100 episodes and <laughs> uh, celebrate Strikers the new Strikers coming out oh, for yeah. the Nintendo Switch
0: So excited to talk about Strikers. That's going to be a ton of fun. It is kind of like a two-parter episode where the first bit is going to be us going through our uh, our 100 Nintendo games of all time list. Thank you so much to everybody who submitted their list, by the way. I will, of course, thank everyone next week as well. And of course, like we say every week, really amazed by the people who have supported us over uh, 100 weeks or 100 episodes now, uh, just really quick. Like there's a lot of people out there who only listen to a few of our episodes, which is cool. And we still get messages today of people who say like, just caught up, we've listened to every episode now. And that blows my mind even more that some of you out there have yeah. listened to every single one of our episodes. So next week is going to be a huge shout out to all of you as well. I'm already getting I'm already getting started on that now, obviously, so uh, I'm going to cut myself off there with uh, thanking everyone for listening to episode 99 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us a rating and a review so we can make the show better. You can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube is Cool. All patrons get the show ad-free and a little early. Thank you so much to everyone over there. You can follow us for free on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, and you can join the weekly conversation on our Discord channel just search the gamecube was cool share us with your friends and family tell mortimer mouse neil says hi thank you so much for the support and we will see you next week see you later mortimer we'll see you in hell mortimer <laughs> <laughs> GameCube. over 600 games you've never heard of GameCube. the product of what happens when you think inside the box GameCube. oh poor guy poor guy I wonder where he exists now in the Disney archives.
1: He's with Huey, Louie, and Dewey. Mm.
0: Huey, you say Huey, Louie, and Dewey? Oh, uh,
1: sorry, I meant Huey, Dewey, and Louie. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's because Huey, and Louie in the news, you know.
0: Yeah, oh, uh, Huey, Huey, Louie in the news. Is that L- Huey Lewis. Huey Lewis and the news. I was making a joke, that. Neil. God damn it! Oh, god damn it! All right, well, <laughs> right over my head.